This is the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. Okay. Three, two, one. And welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast with John Allen. I am your host, John Allen. Remember, if you're listening to me on a podcast platform, please subscribe. If you're watching me on YouTube, subscribe there as well. And click that bell icon if you're a first-time viewer on YouTube. That'll give you a notification every time I do a fantastic new episode. And speaking of fantastic new episodes, hello, Rawa. Hi. Hi, John Allen. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, how did we find each other? I mean, we've only been talking on the phone for just a couple of weeks. I'm trying to think, yeah. I, 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 and I can't even remember how we met. How did we find out about uh, each other? Yeah. Um, I knew about you well, because of the Black Lives Matter uh, yeah, thing um, here in Norway. Yeah, but uh, I found you, um, yeah, me and my um, colleague, um, we were looking for people that we think would be That's right, uh, yeah. great candidates for, yeah, uh, talking about the Chauvin trial because we were really anxious that that trial was going to go, well, as many other cases go. So um, yeah. she she just happened to hear you on one of the podcasts that she listens to. And she said, That's you know what, right. there's somebody here that that is a former police. And I was like, yo, okay, if he's black, I'm going to have to go and look. So <laughs> I did. <laughs> and then turns out you are. So, well, and then and, I contacted you. And, and by the way, thank you for inviting me to that panel. And that was a great experience for me. Um, the ladies that you had on were so knowledgeable in their fields. And I look forward to working with them. I look forward to talking with you more, working with you more. Um, like I said, I found out about you because of the Black Lives Matter movement, the branch here in Norway. Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got involved? Tell me a little bit about your background. Um, where are you from? Where are you living now? And how did you get involved in the work you're doing now today? Um, well, okay. Um, That's a lot. <laughs> I am. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I was born and raised in Ethiopia. Um, I came here about um, 13 years ago. Um, and uh, actually, that, that, that part is a bit of a long story in terms of how I ended up doing the work that I do now. Uh, okay. But to make it short, um, I realized that Norway, Norway is a well, Norway is just like everywhere else. Um, it was a learning process, but then I um, I grew quite tired of a lot of the things that I saw around like me. And, like what? Uh, well, the media coverage of things and uh, how people interact with you. Um, as you know, like th those things like, oh, you're not like the others, you're special, or why do you speak English or whatever, you know, like all those crazy things that you hear. One of the um, things that I hear a lot is, uh, just to interrupt, I, because this really goes along with what you just said, um, people look at me and sometimes they have no idea where I'm from. They wouldn't even guess an African nation. A lot of people say Pacific mm -hmm. Islander. I, I don't know where they get it from, but whatever. And so I tell them I'm from the United States. And, like, and you can see this visible, this visible relief. And mm. sometimes they'll go on to say, well, oh, yeah, you're, you're, you're like us then. Thank God. And it's like, am I supposed to thank them for that? Is that supposed to be some sort of a compliment or something? So well, I, I, I yeah. can identify with it when you say they, they ask you, like, why, you know, why do you, how, how did you come to speak Norwegian? And, and those condescending 
things like that, 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 uh, yeah. that from above and downward uh, relation that they can have sometimes. Mm, there's a lot of, um, well, they call it microaggression. I don't think it's very micro uh, because I've, yeah. I've um, experienced all types of different uh, types of um, racism in Norway, but um, I, I wouldn't say my experience is as bad as um, a lot of people would experience. Yeah. Um, I'm in a, you know, a relatively privileged uh, situation. Um, and I did not grow up here. So I have a very good sense of uh, who I am, my identity. Um, but it was quite a shock uh, to me. Like it took for me to be even aware of the fact that uh, racism, you know, that, that they're racist. It took me an experience that was extremely shocking in which we were walking around with my friend yeah. on the street and a car just sped by and they threw eggs in our direction and called us the n-word yeah. um and they just drove by i mean they didn't well they missed but still you know <laughs> you kind of <laughs> like oh okay so somebody has a problem that i'm here yeah um yeah. And I didn't even catch like in the beginning when like people were just being, you know, microaggressive or whatever it is that people call it. Um, I did not, I did not pick up on it quickly no. enough because I did not grow up around it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but, um, See, I grew you know, up around it. a lot of things. Exactly. Yeah. I grew up I around it back that. home. So I, mm -hmm. I, I saw it for what it was immediately and it was, but it was a shock to me as well because I didn't think it was like that here. Yeah, but Norway, uh, you know, actually the entire Nordics, they're very good at um, promoting themselves as the most progressive yes. people in the world. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, and they talk about how this is like this such a beautiful, harmonious place where everybody gets the opportunity to X, Y, Z, whatever. I actually, uh, I don't know how I ended up uh, finding that video, but I just happened to stumble upon it on <sighs> YouTube. There were some Americans talking about Norway and what, like, how they experienced Norway. And yes, they're white Americans, so of course, ah. uh, there were like they were saying, yeah, oh yeah, the Norwegians are this and this and that, and they're very nice people. I mean, immigrants from uh, no refugees from Somalia, whatever and whatever, they come and um, they help them get jobs, they give them homes, you know, these kinds of narratives. Uh, it's like, and, and they do a really good job because they're always like out there promoting at the United Nations. They're the first to implement something yeah. or say that they're going to implement something if yeah. something is um, uh, passed in the General Assembly or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but do you know what they did not uh, try to implement though? What's that? That would be uh, the United Nations Decade of uh, People of African Descent. Oh. Now, they didn't do anything with that. Okay. That's supposed to be now until 2024. To, since 2015, it's been the United Nations Decade for People of African Descent, and they haven't done jack shit. And what is, what so, is their reason for that? Have they, have they given any kind of statement to defend themselves? Well, no one asked them because this is just, it, it's just... Uh, in general assembly, it's not really binding, right? You can do whatever right, you want with it. Right. Yeah. Um, wow. And yeah, so they didn't do anything. And I think like there were a few uh, arrangements that were done, but these are done by independent organizations, uh, independent black communities and whatnot. Um, no, Norwegians yeah, have... Of course, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
No, no, please, please. No, I was going to say Norwegians and uh, fr from from the government down, <clears throat> there's this thing, and it's not everyone, but it's quite prevalent that Norwegians have this. Um, I call it social social arrogance. I used that term at that roundtable meeting the other day that we had. Uh, social arrogance, where in, in this case, I'll apply social arrogance to this thing that Norway has, where they will have this outward projection of wholesomeness, this outward projection of inclusiveness. But you can see it on a more personal level that that is not the case. And I've got a good example here. Uh, at another home where we used to live, we've bought and sold homes several times over since I've been here in Norway. But at one of the homes we owned, as we put it up for sale, I think it was the day after we had put it up for sale, one of the neighbors came over, and uh, ethnic Norwegian, old, older couple, I think they were in their late 60s at that time. And, and she says to, to my wife, uh, please make sure you don't sell this home to any of those. And, and she used a very ugly term for, for Arabic people. She said, please make sure you don't sell your home to, to one of those people. And my wife is a little bit of a, she's a little bit of a spitfire and to sum up what she said, she basically told them, how dare you say something like that when we have been living literally f a few feet away from your home and I have my black husband. How dare, how dare you say something like that? How dare you act as if you're not a racist when you are? Why couldn't you have shown your true self X number of years ago when we bought this house. That's basically what she told this lady. And that right there is a shining example of that Norwegian duality where there is that outward projection of wholesomeness and inclusiveness. But here in the streets, uh, it's not always, it, it, it's, it's far from, it's far from that outward projection. Mm. It's yeah, sad and it's sad um, and it's, it's, oh, it's, I, I find myself 19 years after coming here, I'm still trying to come to terms with that because that's how much of a shock it was that it was like this here. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's this whole thing they have built a narrative. It's so, and you know, they, they don't understand it when they say, when we say that there is institutional racism in Norway, they do not really understand why uh, we say that because the thing is, um, Norway has built an entire narrative around its identity. Yeah. Um, they say we don't have any colonial history. Mm -hmm. um, we, we haven't done anything when we didn't have slaves. We, we were basically like we, we, we were uh, conquered by the Nazis. And during the First World War, we stayed neutral. So we are just basically all innocent. But that's not really true. Yeah. Uh, first slave ship, Norwegian. About a hundred thousand uh, enslaved Africans were transported to the Caribbean and North America. Yeah. Um, and Denmark, Norway was a union at the time, and they had Saint Croix, um, where actually enslaved people worked. Yes. Which which means they were their slaves. Yep. They're in Africa. Uh, I mean, not all of them. I mean, they did not like it wasn't a national thing, but they had about 200 soldiers in uh, King Leopold's uh, Congo. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they were extremely horrible to the um, 
well, to all the minorities that were here, uh, such as the, well, now they're the minority, the, the, the native uh, people, the Sabmi folk. Uh, you have the Roma people and the Jews. And my my wife, really horrible. my yeah. wife is Samisk and uh, yeah. her father, may he rest in peace, he told me a lot of the stories about what it was like for him as a child during World War II and after. Um, not only how the Sami people were treated by the Nazis, but how they were treated by Norwegians during and after World War II. So there's there's some things to answer for. There's a, there's a reality that is quite visible for us, um, but it's hidden by that, again, that outward projection, that international image of what Norway is all about. But it's not just the outward pro projection, you see, because this is something, this identity is built around even in the education system, because we don't learn about this in the educational system, right? Exactly. We don't learn about this at school. Yeah. Uh, the Sakmi people's story has maybe a two-pager in the high school yeah. uh, Norwegian book. You know what I mean? And that leaves it's, room for uh, a lot of conjecture, that leaves room for a lot of assumption and misinterpreting of what the Sami culture is all about, because you know, they don't talk about it in school. Yeah, you should go to, uh, like, I don't know if they arranged that, but um, I, I had the privilege of attending, um, was it a year or a couple of years ago, uh, Sapmi Pride. Yeah. And um, there were different um, arrangements there uh, and events there that, that uh, where people spoke about different things. And one of, one of them was a woman that uh, was working with... Uh, uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Project. Uh, now they're gathering mm. stories at uh, yeah the one of the universities in the north, uh, like well actually just the one, the Tromsø Tromsø University, Tromsø. yeah, yeah. And um, then she said, well, "This is what we're doing, uh, X Y Z, blah blah blah." And then she started talking about why it's very important, and she started talking about her own experience yeah. as a child. And you know, my heart was broken. It was yeah. one of the most you know, uh, painful things that I've had to hear that you have to be so terrorized in your own home. Yeah. Um, uh, and I mean, I've heard like that entire thing, but like the thing is, I can tell you, like, I have never felt more at home with people that don't necessarily look like me yeah. than when I was with them. I can tell you they're um, beautiful people. I married one of them. So that says something. <laughs> and then, yes, you know, yes. I lived, I lived down South here in Drummond. But we have mm. our home up north, uh, our second home okay. up north in Finnmark. That's where, you know, her her family and, and, and we've made so many friends there. And it's a different life. It's a more peaceful not life. It's a more relaxed life that we live when we spend our time up there. So I know exactly mm. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, I mean, I think that there's a lot of denial. And I think uh, until we, and, and by the way, I think a lot of people feel like when you say that Norway is racist, it's almost an insult to their person, right? It's not well, really, yeah. you're not really, you're not insulting a person no. when you say like your country is racist, but then they freak out. And I don't know why it is that white people just freak out whenever something about racism is brought up. Um <sighs> I talk about that all the yeah. time. Uh, I, you know, I, I want to talk about racism. I want to have that discussion about equality. And to mm -hmm. have that discussion is not an attack on you, the listener, or you, the person with whom I'm con uh, uh, conversing with. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's almost a knee-jerk. It's almost an inbred reaction that, oh, racism, I have to defend myself. And it's like, take a deep breath, relax, listen, let's discuss 
I might learn something, you might learn something, but that's not going to happen if you start fighting right away. It's um, mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating. How it do we is. how do we how do we beat that? How do we get beyond that frustration, though? Well, you know, I um, I stopped with that a long time ago. I don't oh. have these conversations to people that don't want to, you know, that don't want to have that conversation. Uh, it's a waste of energy. I would rather I w- I create the spaces in which we can have these conversations, and the ones that are willing to listen, they can come. And you do that quite um, well, by the way. Thank you. Yes. Um, but uh, th- that's 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 what I do now because I think I don't think trying to convince people that are already uh, that already have a wall up because they're very, being defensive is really pointless. It's just a waste of energy, and we have a lot of weight that we're carrying around. You know, we have yeah. a lot of things to work out. We need to rest. We need to also work within our communities, um, and. We cannot add, you know, the people that don't want to acknowledge the fact that there is racism in their society. Yeah, yeah. I can't, I can't do that with them. Yeah, that's a wise decision to make. That's a wise way of looking at it. Uh, you, at the very least, you save yourself a, a, a lot of frustration. Yeah. Mm. Let me ask you this: What is the um, worst or the most intense or the most memorable um, act of racism that you have experienced on yourself personally? Well, you have the egg throwing thing, and um, how, how old were I you when that happened? Eighteen. Okay. Yeah, um, and not too long after that, because that was the first job I had when I first came to Norway, and was um, uh, I was um, the people, you know, the the people that sell uh, subscription to the different organizations and I was working for Doctors Without Borders at the time um, and you know what you do is you stop people on the street and say hey do you have a moment um, and I was doing that was having just a fine day and one of them just came to me it was just like he was he was looking at me as he was coming I was like hey do you have a moment and he was like go home to Africa and they just passed <laughs> wow yeah um, I was just like Okay, uh, but no, he doesn't get to decide that, right? Right. So, right. Right. But how do how do those how do those experiences affect you? What does that do to your morale? What does that do for as far as your your desire to continue with the work you do? Does it discourage you? Does it hurt you? Does it inspire you to do more? Or well, see, these people are not the forces that drive me. Um, they're not. Um, if there is any sort of discouragement, the only discouragement that comes are from the people uh, that I actually um, care about. And by okay. that, I'm saying that those people that are actually on the same page as I am, um, and a lot of them, and I, and I don't have time, right, like to, to teach people this is what uh, you should do or whatever. Those who want to learn how to be allies, they can be allies, but allyship is a year, like not, it's not something, it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong yeah. commitment. <clears throat> it's yeah. not something that you become and then you're finished. You've done all the, all the things that you needed to do. Well, because a lot of people uh, look at that allyship as a trend. Oh, it, this is cool. This is the hashtag now. Let me jump on board. And it's more than that. It's yeah. so much more than that. Exactly. <clears throat> and then you have then the communities, our own communities is a black community and the minority community, um, how we 
uh, interact with each other and how we work with each other. Are we thinking about each other? Are we being constructive? Uh, are we oppressing people within our own communities? All those oh, things. Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Great topic to have focus on. That, Absolutely. That, yeah. These are the things that hurt me. No, like those things hurt me. If um, like my own people try to tear me down, that would hurt me. Yeah. Um, and when I see somebody that is more vulnerable than I am, say, for example, the hijabi uh, woman that is very visible, uh, yeah. If I try to oppress her, then no, that is wrong. And if yeah. I see somebody being discriminative against her, um, that hurts me. If I see uh, my LGBTQIA plus mm. brothers and sisters being oppressed within their own communities, that hurts me. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, another thing is like misogyny also. Well, it doesn't hurt me. It pisses me off. Um, but <laughs> I love it. I love things- it. It doesn't hurt me. It pisses me off. I love it. That, I mean, that, yeah. that, that says so much. That... That says a lot. It doesn't hurt you. It just pisses you off. I love it. No, I, no. I, I like you. I, I like you, Roma. Yeah, I like you too. I like the, I like the way you think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, so the only times these things um, translate into hurt is when we're so caught up on those things that we can't work with each other. Yeah. Now that's. Um, because that's, that's the bare minimum, right? Like you could, you could, you, you have to appreciate. And that's what I try to do. Uh, even if I don't necessarily agree with the way thing people do things, um, I can understand that whatever it is that they're doing, it means something for somebody out there. It may not mean something to me. Um, so even if I don't agree with it, like if uh, our politics are somewhat different when it comes to what, what should be, what it should be like within yeah. the community, um, I can appreciate the fact that that's whatever it is that they're doing means something to someone and it's creating some sort of value to somebody. Yeah. yeah. But when we fail to do that, that's a problem. Is there pretty much one voice in Norway um, against racism or is it fragmented? Um, well, um, I wouldn't say so because racism, you know, uh, the black community experiences racism, the brown community experiences racism. And then you have like the different types of, you know, the different levels, right? Yeah. There is the, all those intersectional identities. There are like brown Muslim women, uh, brown queer Muslim people, black, and the same thing applies to black people. Yeah. Um, and because we're humans, right? And that's something that we need to remember because we're humans. Sometimes we mess up and, yeah. um, for me anyway, the most important thing is the grassroots activities that are going to make a whole. Yeah. Uh, this unity thing, it's politics. I, I don't I don't necessarily um in theory it's very nice. Right. Yeah. In practice, um it becomes politics and it becomes about power. And these are the things that usually kind of ruin a lot of things. And you see that um, in many cases, I see some um, people that do work, uh, that do anti-racist work. Um, And let's say that there's a group of people and usually like the women that do a lot of the groundwork are being forgotten there. And I I remember like uh, we had a conversation about this with a friend of mine. She's American, actually. 
Um, she's not here anymore. She's moved back to the U.S. But um, she said, we were talking about this incident that we, uh, that, uh, that I saw um, at this random event. And she was like, also this black man did X, Y, Z um, or said X, Y, Z. And she was like, you know what? Straight black men are the white men of the black community. She oh, said wow. that, and like that, that never really like I never forget that. Um, and you know, it's such a harsh thing to say. I understand that because I mean, for a lot of men, it, it may, for a lot of black men, it sounds really bad. Yeah, to hear that, it's cisgendered black men. Um, but I think by that, what she was trying to say was sometimes. Um, we forget about the small privileges we have. Also, we are very caught up on the uh, trauma and the discrimination that we forget that we also have some privileges over somebody. You know, it's because I am an African woman living in Norway, which means there are a lot of things that I have that people in some other country don't have. Yeah. You know, I have my, I'm, I li- I'm living in the safety of my home. Do you know what's going on in my country right now? It's a mess. Exactly. It's yeah. a freaking mess. There is, yeah. there is, there is yeah. war. There is a civil war. There is a state waged war on a certain group of people. And I'm here in my safe home. Uh, I have a food, a food to eat. I have a shelter. I have clothing. And I, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky. I, I get to work from home on my yeah. computer. Yeah. I don't have to expose myself to say, for example, I don't have to be somewhere physically no. that I'm going to expose myself to COVID-19. Right. Right. Yeah. And people in other places, they're either like, even here, people have to be at work yeah. physically. Yeah. They're risking their lives. It's and always, some people also are fleeing war. Yeah. It's always good to be grounded and understand, um, uh, understand and recognize one's privilege where it exists and I, I notice my, my privilege, um, uh, my background coming from America and being here in Norway has really lifted me when it comes to finding work, when it comes to income, when it comes to social uh, 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 situations or social, social uh, groupings. Um, definitely a, a privilege to have that type of background that I've had. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of react a little about the one who says that straight black men are the white men of the black community. That's a little, I understand where that comes from though. I understand where that comes from. Maybe especially when it comes to views on homosexuality or, um, the trans society, things like that. This conversation was very specific about a conversation between a straight cis man and a homosexual yeah, exactly exactly uh, man right like it was exactly. it, it was yeah. yeah uh so um no i don't necessarily agree with that but um i don't either but i know where it comes have, from i do know where that comes from yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. uh but we have a long way to go we sure. need to yeah uh but in terms of one voice no there is no one voice because honestly we're not a monolith we're very no. different yes yeah. uh we want different things i mean you know of course we want some things that are in common that we have in common which is like maybe basically get rid of racism that would be nice about that (laughs) it would be great um but there are also many other things that we want uh that overlap and are very much intertwined with 
uh, what we want when we fight against white supremacy. But so I find that I was yes. going to say, but I, f I find that um, the argument or the fight stops up on the argument of what is racism. Uh, from time to time, I experience some very strange definitions of what racism is from Norwegians. How do you define racism? You know, I'm sorry, like Norwegians don't have any. I see like, you shaking your head. I know. And I know. Yeah. 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 Uh, first of all, like you see, and, and this is uh, something that um, maybe not a lot of people will agree with me when it comes to this. I think um, this um, hostility because of one's um, skin color. Um, and, and, and this is, this is very important to think about because there is a lot of historical element to why people think the way they do. Uh, we've had, um, 400 years of building what is today. And yes, there was first slavery and colonialism and all that. And then people fought against us and uh, against it. And then there was progress and then there was innovation on the white people's side. Um, and then fight against that and then all of that. And it keeps being on innovative and like yeah. people have to also come with new solutions on to how to fight this. Uh, but when, when I talk about racism, I think racism is more than the individual for me. It's actually more about, uh, the institutions, the society, um, the collective mindset. Yeah. Um, uh, and people who talk about like reverse racism and there was this guy, you know, okay, let me just tell you about this guy. There was a, remember there was a blackface debate in December. <sighs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, one Brown politician decided to, you can say his name, an article, you can um, say their name if you want. You know, I'm not going to validate his existence by saying his name. <laughs> I love it. Uh, can but, I say it again? Yeah. I like you. I like the way you think. <laughs> Thanks. He decided that he had something to say about that. And he was just like, yeah, there's a lot of outrage party going on and we're not invited. Uh, Norway is not racist. We don't have this story, X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. And there's another brown person deciding to jump on the train and saying all of that. Yeah. So um, naturally, um, so that we organized the Black Lives demonstration or the We Can't Breathe uh, Justice for George Floyd demonstration uh, because we don't really call it Black Lives Matter because Black Lives Matter respects what it is. And that is something that is very specific for African-Americans, yeah. although... I, we're going to get into that. Let me just. Yeah, I do want to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so he, he decided, so it's African, uh, African Students Association and uh, another organization called Arise that organized this together. So I come from uh, African Students Association. I've been active there for like four years or so. Um, and um, well, what? we posted like, so the Asian person, uh, is going to teach us what racism is. What we do, what would we do without him? It was a very sarcastic post. Yeah. And then like people started <laughs> raising like, you're racist, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, we're not racist, but stop I don't even see how they can say wrong. that. I don't understand how they can connect racism to that action from, from you guys. I don't see how they yeah. can say you're racist. I don't, I, I don't, yeah. I don't understand. And that's where I'm getting at that. They have, to me, it's a very screwed up definition of what racism is. And people yeah, people so ask me, well, what is the Norwegian's definition of racism? And I don't know. I, I, I can't get my head around that concept that they have 
in reference to well, what they think racism is. For them to call to call it racist, there will have to be like a crazy raging white supremacist, obvious Nazi, also self-identifying as Nazi, uh, chasing people with a knife or a gun or whatever. Now, uh, Anders Bering Breivik, that's yeah, that's yeah. he's a racist. Him, yeah. yeah. Um, but they called you racist for having a satirical or a, or a, a humoristic. No, uh, yeah. The thing is. If you have something to say about somebody else's experience, something that's very specific for people of African descent, then you're going to get a sarcastic answer back. Yeah, exactly. Like because we're not we're not going to take you seriously. Exactly. But and how can they call that racist? That, yeah, because he has a platform now. He just he started playing victim, so he played victim, and then so many months later, now recently, he had a profiling article somewhere on a on a newspaper and he's like yeah like so basically you just say like uh, there's a lot of like you know uh cancel culture blah 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 and it's like he's trying to appeal to you know the middle class uh, bourgeoisie white people because an election is coming up yeah, yeah. we get what he's doing yeah. it's okay yeah, absolutely now uh so he says like yeah that so a certain uh, a certain african student organization hmm. uh yeah uh <laughs> tried to silence me and we can't do this if we can't keep like we can't uh, attack freedom of expression uh, uh and we cannot let the extreme wings of politics yeah. uh win because that would be detrimental to our society. And again, we have to go and answer, you know, like, so you see, but whatever, you have people but isn't like that this. Interesting? Isn't that interesting that, you know, he, he formulates it in such a way, you know, he says they're trying to cancel or they're trying to silence me. You weren't trying to mm -hmm. silence him. You were responding to his foolishness. But well, people, I'm but using people, my freedom of expression. Exactly. And people who take those kind of stances are so quick to say that any opposition to what they say is a form of canceling. It's a form or it's an effort to, to, to silence or to impinge their freedom of speech just because someone dares to stand up and have a, a counterpoint. But I, and I don't call that the cancel. It's not canceling. It's consequence. Yeah, there are consequences to what they say. It's not canceling. They have to understand, the thing is, they, they have to understand, we're not going to take it laying down. Yeah. Uh, and and this is it, like, because some people think that they can, you know, poo-poo on a certain group of people and then they can get away with it. <laughs> they can't do that yeah. because somebody's going to hold them accountable. Yeah. Um, and that's just, I, I don't know, it's quite disappointing sometimes when you're supposed to, like, and so I think, like, actually... Uh, the minority, the different minority communities have something that we need to work out us to, because sometimes some a tighter alliance. Tend to, yeah, well, not just alliance. We have to actually come to an agreement that, like, I'm not going to try and say I understand what, let's say, the Syrian people go through, because that's a whole different experience. Right. Because right. Syrians uh, are very recent. They came very recently. Uh, there's a very specific type of racism that pe they're, they're experiencing, which is yes. like people accuse them of being, you know, Islamic State or whatever. Right. I cannot identify with that. So no. me speaking out about that, that's stupid. I can be an ally. I can show solidarity, but I cannot talk. I cannot, you know, I cannot ridicule yeah. their experience. It's dumb. So I think that's something that we need to come together and maybe talk about because this whole thing about like, you know, let's get as close uh, proximity to whiteness as possible thing is really dumb because let's say actually white supremacists succeed and they get rid of us. Who do they think that they're going to come for next? 
seriously yeah 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 uh but whatever like i'm not like they're not a problem i mean the good thing right now is that we have a voice and whoever happens to catch it uh if they feel like they're gonna respond you know how do you, um, you know, you, you talk about the different um, experiences of racism, you know, uh, a Syrian will have a different experience than an Iranian who might be second generation in Norway. Um, one thing that I ponder over uh, quite often, and I haven't come to any conclusions, I'm just throwing a thought out that I have had quite often over a long period of time. What do you see as similarities? What do you see as differences? And what do you see as problems between relations between black Americans in Norway and Africans in Norway? Because our experience is not quite the same. In some ways, it's quite different. Well, the thing is, like you said, they get relieved, right? Yeah. And what's funny is like when they meet you, uh, <laughs> what's funny is that uh, until I, sp- I start like, well, now, like, yeah, when until I start speaking Norwegian, I'm very interesting to a lot of people. Yeah. The moment I start speaking Norwegian, I go from whatever it is they thought I was to like refugee, you know, um, and it is that um, because I don't expect uh, Africans to speak right. English. Let's, right. let's uh, never mind the fact that half of the country, uh, half of the continent actually speaks uh, English and half of the continent speaks French. Yeah. It's not a lot of countries that don't speak these languages. Right. Um, uh, but yeah, when it comes to British and American black people, uh, there is one privilege that you have. Uh, and is that your names are usually English. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that are open to hiring uh, expats, you have the advantage of getting that job or or getting at least pulled into the interview. Yeah. Um, Another thing is that uh, you don't have to jump through hoops to um, authenticate your credentials, your uh, papers or whatnot that's on the institutional level. I'll say that we do. I'll say that we do, but not even close to the same degree to which Africans in Norway have to. Yeah. Do you know there's a list of countries uh, from which you cannot bring a paper from because it will automatically go. Yeah. Yeah. So you have these, right. Um, And then you have, um, and then you have on a personal level when you meet people, when they find out that you're from the UK or the US, you're very interesting. You're you're like oh, the yeah. modern, you're the modern yeah. civilized black people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Civilized. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like the rest yeah. of us, we come yeah. from bushes or whatever it is right. that they think. I mean, I've been asked if uh, like if we had a house or if we had a cottage or if we lived in whatever. Um, I've had these really dumb questions. I've 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 had these really dumb questions like, yeah is though because i i mentioned like i i talked about like i just i was drinking water and i was like oh my god i love norwegian water because it's actually tasty yeah. i hate like most of europe's water it is different it is different yeah and the next thing that followed is like yeah but you do you have clean water in africa like is it like <sighs> water colored or is it brown you know questions like this it's yes. really dumb like it's, it's ignorant it's very ignorant but 
It's very yeah, that response that re, that relief that they get when they find out that I'm from the United States and not some other country with with black and brown people. That relief that they show that comes from ignorance. Hmm. That comes from pre and prejudgment ignorance. and ignorance. Yeah, but that prejudgment comes from somewhere. Ignorance. What they learn at school. Yep. And what they learn from the media. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and that's when it be, it goes back to being the system that actually affects how people think. Yeah. So racism is it's very complex. It is. It's not something that you can say this is what racism is one sentence and Bashagu, you got you good, you know. Um, Maybe that's what a lot of Norwegians need to understand is that it's not a one sentence simple definition. It's not as mm -hmm. simple as some people would have it. You know, um, like you said, a lot of people would claim it's the it's the Bering Breiviks. It's the Klansmen in the hood. Uh, it's the people who lynched in America in the 18, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, you know, they don't know about those. Uh, the lynchings, me? they don't. The lynchings, they don't. Many, yeah, many for the most part. Let me tell you something. I see this. And, and again, this is another shock that I got. Um, you know, I saw signs of it early on here in Norway, but it really hit home when our children, I have a 15 year old and a 13 year old here with my wife. And when they come home from school and they tell me, you know, we, we, we're, we're speaking about uh, slavery in the United States and I'm like, Oh boy. Okay. Tell me what are you guys talking about? And they give me the most on the surface, non depth having uh, uh, superficial and, and, and I used to think well they're not paying attention in class but when I look at their material their school material it's like it really is that there there really is so little depth to what they're learning about slavery so yeah things about the gym you know a lot of people think okay 1865 end of the Civil War great times for black people and oh, black people don't have it as well as the rest of America. Well, there must be some fault for the black Americans no, but to that's take. The thing. Like there's this whole thing about like, you know, the KKK, they're the outliers. They're not really, well, uh, yeah, well, that goes, they don't know the proper history either. Right. So they don't understand like the history, but they'd also mm -hmm. don't, they also don't have a view of the current system in the United States. And, I, and here I'm talking about the systemic racism. They have no clue what that means, and because they don't have a clue what that means, they will deny that it exists if it comes up in a in a topic of discussion. Mm. That's what I'm finding out. Yeah. That's that is a reality that is the, the the reality that there are so many Norwegians that don't believe that such a thing as a, a structural or systemic racism exists is relatively new to me. That was something that I never really discussed early on here in Norway, but I'm seeing more and more now that they don't get it. They don't understand it. They don't understand that it happens in the States. They don't believe that it happens in the States. And they definitely don't believe that it happens here in Norway. And I'm not but saying everyone, you... but it's just, it's just the experience I'm having recently. And that's just the thing, though, like, how can you know unless you experience it or you go looking for it? And I have to say, though, uh, because when I, I remember when I when I went to school, there wasn't a lot of in-depth, um, in-depth teaching about, you know, slavery. I mean, of course, we learned that, like, you know, they tortured, they did this, they did this, they did this, you know, there was some, you know, at school, but it's still very, and this I'm talking about now Ethiopia. Yeah. Um, 
And it, I mean, it was still quite shallow, but do you know where I learned more about the atrocities? Why? Uh, I learned about the atrocities because I watched Roots. Ah, yes. The, or, the original series or the remake recently? No, the original The original, series. yes, yeah. The very original series, and I was actually quite young. I was too young to watch that because it was very traumatizing. I was also but, too young uh, to watch it, but I, I watched it, yeah. 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 Um, you have roots. Um, but also, we have to remember that, like, for example, in 1994, uh, that was only when apartheid ended in South Africa. So on the news, and we're talking about, you know, a three-year-old me. I remember watching on the news white men releasing dogs on yes. people so that they could, the prisoners, you know, so that they could bite them yeah. and God knows what else they did to them. Yeah. Um, and like those small snippets that you learn, but then, the, but because you don't, and because we import a lot of knowledge from the West, we, um, we also buy some of the things that we uh, that that people learn here in the West and the United States. Yeah. Depending on what school you go to, you have the different curricula that you um, right. get access to. Yeah. Um, so, um, and because of that, there is also a lot of surface. So a lot of the things that you learn in depth are things that are more local to where you are. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, so, I I understand. Yeah. I understand that. But I guess I'm coming from a place of, you know, I, I'm, I'm recognizing that in these modern times, information is quite easy to be shared. Um, but it seems that there are some people, both back home in the States and, and here in Norway, who are willfully blocking the influx of new information. <laughs> uh, they're keeping themselves ignorant, willfully. Mm -hmm. Um to me, anyone who denies that there's structural racism, that there's systemic racism in Norway, they are willfully ignorant. It's one thing to be ignorant, but it's something else to be willfully ignorant. And I get it. If you're a blonde haired, blue eyed, um, uh, uh, Norwegian, um, with no in infusion of anything foreign, you're just as pure Norwegian as you can be. I get it that you personally will never experience, will likely never experience systemic racism i get that but to me it is a close-minded a willfully close-minded person who refuses current and easily accessible information who refuses to hear voices like ours who refuses to hear uh to to, to view documented evidence that systemic racism does exist in norway that's a willful ignorance that i i, fi I find inexcusable I get it that people, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, and that's just the thing, like the way we understand these things, you know, you, you know, when, when Benjamin Hermanson was killed, it was a couple of yeah. neo-Nazis. It's 2001, was it? Yeah, it was yeah. 2001. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of Nazis that did it, right? So that doesn't reflect anything about Norwegian system. Exactly. Fast exactly. forward, uh, Obiora got killed. Obiora, it was an accident. They didn't mean to kill him. Exactly. Because See. they're the police. They're there to protect. See, yeah. Uh, and what year was that? Again, what year was that? That was uh, 2006. Six, yeah. 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 
I remember that. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you have uh, Bering Breivik. He killed a bunch of people. Yep. The worst. That's the only. Well, that's not the only one anymore. But that's the one major uh, terrorist attack that Norway has experienced, yeah. and it was done by a Norwegian. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but that too. You know, he, he's not, he, he is the exception. He was a lone wolf. He was mentally whatever and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just, and he pleaded, you know, sane. And, like, and that's just the thing. Yeah. Why can't you just listen to him? He said he was sane. Right, right. And he's not the right. only one. He has a whole bunch of communities that have now that worship him. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. a God. Like, yeah. He's part um, of a, he's part of a network. If he didn't create the network since he's done what he's done, he's at least part yeah. of a network. So, yes. yeah, you know, like, and if, yeah. after how many people they've killed. And yeah, he is an outlier, outlier. He is a seldom, um, um, a seldom, you know, it, it, there's not a lot of people who have done what he has done. Yes, that all that stuff is true, but it did happen. And he is a Norwegian mm -hmm. and it did happen here in Norway. So again, to, to, to ignore or to, to state that this is not a problem, racism is not a problem in Norway is to mm -hmm. be willfully ignorant. And that's, that's just that inexcusable. Yeah, it's very difficult for them. And, and the, the, you, something that they need to understand is that, um, yes, there are uh, terrorists because there are extremists in all directions yes. that you can go. There's always somebody that takes it to the next level, which, yeah. you know, they shouldn't. Um, but that was that also had nothing to do with the system, right? He actually went against the system. That was it. Um, but then now, like, you know, 15,000 people came out last year. That should tell came you about for, how people are exhausted. I'm Fifteen thousand for the for for the demonstration. Ah, yes, of course, of course, yeah. yeah. Fifteen thousand people came out, and what were they mostly complaining about? Yeah. The police. Yeah. That is systemic racism. Exactly. So if you're denying it after that, and if you missed the point, I will gladly remind you again, yeah. and so will a bunch of other people. Yeah. But. Um, you cannot deny it like that. And there, there has been many movements, like in many different areas, like say job, access to jobs, um, change, so decolonize the academia. Um, uh, and because, and then sometimes they also show themselves saying like, ah, there are too many foreign people doing this. And then an entire group of like, uh, entire group of professionals come out and they react against it. That that's showing their faces, and yes. Um, yes. so all these things are systemic. But then it doesn't mean anything about you as an individual. Exactly. There's something that I hope I like. That's something I wish that white people would understand. Yes. It doesn't say anything about you as an individual. It just says something about a system that has been in place for so long that now it just sustains itself. Yes. It's going to take action. It's going to take anything about it. We're complicit. Yeah. And, and, and that goes right along in line with what I was going to say. It's going to take action in order for it to change because it is its own self-sustaining thing. It's its own system. It's running on its own and it will not change unless we make it change. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me That's some okay. of, uh, tell me a little bit of the story about your, your involvement in activism uh, for example, the the marches, gatherings, and protests last summer. Uh, what part have you well, played, and how did that come to be? Uh, that came to be because, like I told you, like the two organizations, 
we have had actually we had a subcommittee that uh, we had organized uh, to do anti-racist work. Now, t- two organizations: um, African Student Union and uh, and Arise. And Arise, yeah. Yeah, so we had a, a subcommittee that we had organized to do anti-racist campaigns, but we didn't have plans to do anything until the fall. Okay. Uh, um, but then, you know, what happened happened with George Floyd. And I mean, I think it was like traumatic on a whole different level. Sure, sure. That one. Um, and well, then then we decided that, I mean, this is why uh, one, of, one, of, one of us said, this is why we created this committee anyway. So we need to do something. And then like, then the planning went like, what, four days? Like we, we planned it. Like we, we decided that we we're going to do it on Sunday, started on Sunday yeah. and then it happened on Friday. Um, most of the job I've done with that regards is I had a lot of dialogue with the police dialogue with the communa. Uh, I was also the spokesperson for the campaign on behalf of uh, ASA, which is a African Students association. Um, and also like there was a lot of things, like a lot of people did uh, different things, but Mona, the one that you met last time, Yes. Uh, my colleague, she. Uh, I want to speak further with her, by the way. Yeah. Yes. I'm sorry I cut you off, but we had to go on live. Yeah, uh, I last know. Time, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. No, I'll get back to her for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, she was a volunteer coordinator. And like, I mean, different people did different things. Uh, some of us did the registration uh, for Eidsvolts Plus and uh, getting all the licenses and whatnot. And uh, so uh, mostly, like, it was the media. Uh, as in like the mass media communication on behalf of ASA um, and all the things that I mentioned. Uh, And we had to, of course, like have meetings every day, trying to adjust to whatever it is that was, you know, being thrown our way. Um, So that was the role I played. Um, I've been involved in, like I said, African Student Association for years now. And um, my work has been mostly focused on creating spaces in which people, in which people can come together. One, it's about creating community, but also all the things that we're doing in terms of like colonizing academia or whatever it is that we're trying to do, the anti-racist work. Um, I've been trying to create that space in which we get to practice that. Do you feel, su- cases, do you feel successful? In some cases, succeeded. In some cases. Yeah. Um, in some cases, long way to go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, p- you think people are listening, but not enough and not enough change is happening quick enough. Um, or well, is it expected to take a long time? Are you comfortable with the progress? Well, I'm not necessarily, but like I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily very comfortable with the progress. It's a bit slow. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, uh, we are very small and that like, and by that, I mean, we, we don't have a huge platform. We don't have the money to be able to, lobby or uh, you know create like we don't we don't have the and that's the one thing that uh you know one voice united for everybody kind of uh thing could help with but not really uh, like i said you know it's just it depends on how we go about it yeah um now that if we had numbers that is something we can use yes. on you know to that's something we could use to actually hold uh, the politicians or institutions accountable and actually, you know, put the fear of God in them because 
they will fear that they're not going to get the votes, right? Now, now these two so, organizations, the African Student Union, um, or I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Students um, Association, how many members are there? You talk about numbers. How many members are in that organization? We're not that many because it's a student organization. Yeah. Uh, and right now, uh, right now, especially since COVID began, we can't really keep uh, track of the okay. members because uh, there aren't any physical gatherings. The general assemblies are relatively very small. Okay. Um, yeah, it's because um, people don't want to participate on a digital thing like every week or whatever. I see. I see. Um, and a lot of them are students as well. So. And what? Um, and what about a rise? How many? Uh, do you, is that a larger organization? Five, five people. That's it. Aha. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now t- tell me, okay, let's talk a little bit more about Arise. What mm. is what is you guys, what is the purpose of Arise? What is the goals of Arise? What does Arise stand for? Uh, Arise stands for Africans rising in solidarity and Equality. I don't know if it was equality. No, I don't think it was equality. It was something else. It's been a while since I heard uh, because they usually go with the arise. Um, so is it just but, a think? Is this just a five person think tank or? No, it's not a think tank. It's just five people. Uh, they 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 arrange a lot of like community gatherings for the most part, and uh, their focus is very 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 specific, which is like to the Africans in Norway. I see. Um, and by when I say Africans, Africans with a K only, um, and it doesn't mean African people coming from the continent, recent descendants of the continent, but all descendants of the continent. Okay. Um, so I'm in. Yeah. Yes, you are. Yes. Um, <laughs> might be might be a six might be a six member uh, organization. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, so they they organize like you know, I think. They organize events in which, like, you know, they talk about just different things. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I was just curious because I, I, I guess I hadn't really put much thought into what ARISE is or what it stands for or anything. I've always been f- more focused on the African Student Association since I've, mm-hmm. since I've known you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you then about your, a little bit more of your personal experience. Um, uh, is it okay for me to say that, uh, at times you may not feel safe due to the work that you, that you do? Oh, no, because the thing is, um, one, I'm not, I don't, I'm not out that much. Uh, people don't know where I live. Norway is a small country uh, though. It is a small country, but also uh, whenever I change my hair, people don't recognize me. Ah, uh, and that's the thing. <laughs> so, can I tell you something? This is a little bit funny. Um, yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, as you know, I had a lot of media. I was on TV uh, two times, three times in one day, and all kinds of radio stuff because of the 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 Derek Chauvin uh, conviction. Mm-hmm. Um, and when TV Two came here to film me they filmed the outside like a panning shot of the neighborhood and the outside of my home and i got a little uncomfortable about that you know a, a, a little and it kind of passed but here just a couple of days ago i thought of that again uh, and actually it's because of because of you and the the 
you know, the response this summer to uh, to some of the marches and things here in, in Norway and things that you're involved in. And it got me thinking about personal safety. And then we had a short mention of this just before we went on the microphone here about personal safety. Uh, but last night, my wife sends me um, a website, a Norwegian website that sells uh, wigs. Uh, and she said, maybe, John, because, of course, I have my shaved head. She said, maybe you want to buy a dreadlock wig, John. And she said, us white people, we can't tell the difference between you people. So just get a wig and then nobody will know who you are. So a little mm-hmm. bit of humor there. But I, but I, the, my point is, is I, I, I find this whole thing with personal safety when we have a platform, as we do, talking about the things we are talking about. Uh, personal safety becomes somewhat of an issue or not. Yeah. Uh, well, I was a bit like for a little while there, I was a bit paranoid. Yeah. Um, Did you have reason to be? The, yes. After uh, the, uh, my name was being dragged in a, like a lot of um, right wing uh, forums. And when was this? This was after. Just right after. Um, and also I received some emails from very angry people. Um, but, but tell my, tell my listeners, I, I know when, when, what it was after, but tell my, for the sake of my listeners, this was after, after what? The demonstrations last year. Demonstrations. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. The demonstrations last year. Um, so like when your name is out there, um, clearly they're going to take your name and they're going to like, uh, so uh, some of them somehow got a hold of my email address and decided to send me very strongly worded messages. Um, some of them I ended up trolling, but like, you know, it's, um, as it's not really, they're not really worth the effort, but it didn't bother you. um, You didn't get, you didn't get afraid. No, I mean, I, I was when I said I was paranoid. I was just like, I probably need to get take some precautions in terms of like how I do things and such, uh, because uh, it was so hot and people were very. Um, it was new and it was fresh, and people don't really have. Um, yeah. People are angry right after, and I think they would take if they wanted to do something, they would do it then, uh, because they don't really like forget your name. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right after it's been on yeah. social media or it's been on media yeah. or the papers or whatever. So, uh, yeah, there were that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, now, no, not really, because um, the topic is not that hot at the moment. Okay. So yeah. I don't have to, I don't need to buy a dreadlock wig yet. <laughs> well,. See, I'm, a, I'm kind of easily recognized. I'm always smiling, so everybody recognizes the smile. I'm this big powerlifting champion guy, and, and it, mm-hmm. I, I just don't think dreadlocks will will hide me totally, so maybe I shouldn't even think about it. Hey, they might. <laughs> they might. The thing is, I, I have to say, uh, people very easily. I mean, like, I, I thought it was just... Uh, what people think, but sometimes even black people don't recognize me when I change my hair, which is kind of funny. Yeah. So uh, it's fine. I don't change my hair that often. This has been my hairstyle for the past, I don't know how long. Um, but I, I really am not worried in terms of uh, 
in terms of somebody's talking me and trying to kill me or whatever, I don't because my number is unregistered. I think that would have been even worse last year. If my number had been registered on the internet, they would have found my number and just yeah. decided to send me a bunch of yeah. threats or whatever. But and that's easily fixed, you know, just changing your number. But but there's also the 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 trauma, however major or minor that is, the trauma or the 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 experience of having these people call you up or, or send you an email and threaten you. Um, yeah. You say yourself, you had a period where you were a little bit paranoid. So mm -hmm. it does affect one. It does affect one, but that's just one of the, maybe that goes along with, I mean, that's part of the game. You know, when mm -hmm. we, when we speak up, when we get active, I've, I've lost friends, close friends, people who I love, I've lost them as friends just because I've been speaking up loudly yeah. uh, for the last 18 months about these things but somebody that's the thing like if, if if no one is reacting to what you're doing then you must be doing something wrong yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah that's so, very true that's something that uh, an activist is not supposed to, to be silent about. an activist is supposed to stir things up a little bit yeah uh, and it's very important uh, to stick to your guns. I think it's it's very very important that you stand by what you say. And um, but it's also very important not to be blinded by what it is that you want. That everything that you do in your journey towards that um, ends up hurting people or undermining someone else's. Um, be it safety or well-being or whatever. So how are you? So it's very, I think it's yeah. No, go ahead. It's go very ahead. important that we think about the the ethical considerations that you have to take in terms of how you go forward about it. Um, and I try that? to do that. How do you do that? I try to. Do it. Well, I think about what's going to happen. Like, I mean, I just have to think about the consequences before I do something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's very yeah. important. Um. But you have to speak your truth. And when you do, though, like you have to understand, are you hurting somebody? Is that at the expense of somebody else? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's why I think it's very important that uh, uh, because this whole thing about, you know, no one else is free unless everyone is free, um, unless black people are free or whatever. Uh, all of that is very important that we show solidarity yeah. to others that are also being oppressed. Um, we should put together... We should put together a roundtable talk or some kind of forum where the African activists and uh, maybe a couple of us black Americans and a representative from the Syrian immigrant group and a representative from the Turkish uh, people here in Norway. We should all meet and talk about this. The Kurdish people and the Kurdish everybody. people, yeah, everybody. You know, representatives yeah. from each each member of this, and it's not a large group. I mean, we can name a lot of different groups, but even so, it's mm. not a large group. Which, and that's something that makes me uh, shake my head at the uh, the 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 portion of Norway that is so paranoid about being taken over by immigrants because we are not. Where are we? Uh, you know, there's not that many of us. Regardless, there's a lot of different groups, but they are not large numbers. Any anyway, uh, if we could get representatives from all of these uh, groups and different cultures within Norway and just sit down and talk about these things and maybe plan something, maybe forge a new partnership, a new 
force more unity you know mm-hmm. just thinking just brainstorming yeah. here yeah yes um true i i uh, i think that would be great because solidarity is very important i i already have some allies that they're very sure. like you know there are just you know some of them just you know you don't even have to ask they show up yeah yeah it's so lovely um you don't even have to ask and it's good to have friends just so, yeah and also uh these very people that i'm talking about right they also um call you they don't do like that um particular politician that decided to have a say about blackface um they call and be like i'm not sure about this so ah oh, yeah yeah is disrespectful am i respecting right this right. or that you know now that and that it, kind of courtesy that we pay to each other yeah that's true solidarity that's true solidarity that's true respect that's a true desire mm-hmm. to make things better i like that i like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and these conversations that you sit down and talk about you know because not necessarily not everybody understands my experience nor do i understand no. everybody's experiences and these conversations the dialogues uh, help you understand um how people's experiences are like to the extent that you can and i can say that a lot of the lessons that i've learned i've learned from my friends mm-hmm. from talking to them yeah. uh conversation you'll never get bored if you come and sit with my friends i mean it's a very funny there, there are very funny conversations that take yeah. place um and a lot of good comes out of it yeah uh, and imagine. it's a beautiful supportive system yeah. so um I think it's very important that we have an open dialogue going to the extent that it's possible um so long as we're not toxic to each other I think it's very very important to keep that relationship Yeah. It's very important. It's um something that needs to not only be held on to but something that needs to be fostered uh so that there's even more growth within that thing. It sounds like you've I mean you, you You've got your shit together <laughs> to say it bluntly. Oh, uh no, but the, the, and that's the thing I learn I'm learning. I try to learn. Isn't that what it's all about? Um, Isn't that what it's all yeah. about? The gathering of new information, new input from new people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And of course from those who came before us as well, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And that was it like when when Naomi was talking the other day about yeah have to show solidarity like you know uh to Palestinians the first person I don't know if she mentioned her but the first person that came to mind was Angela Davis. Yes. Yeah. Um yeah and we have so many of those inspirations like from different continents that have written so much important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That wow, we can not, learn from. Naomi, she's someone I can I can I I've already learned from her just from that one conversation the other day. I need to uh She's yeah. a little difficult to She's find. Very She's a little difficult to uh, find. But I'll give you her email address. Oh, if you would, please. I would love mm-hmm, to, mm-hmm. to have a conversation, a further conversation with her. See, this is what yeah. it's all about. You know, um, I meet you, I speak with you. And from there, I bet already, and this is only in like a 10-day period, I bet I have already made six or seven new contacts with people whom I will have discussions with both informally uh, by phone and yeah. informally on my podcast. I know one podcast. of the people that contacted you. Who, who's that? Come on. Yes, yeah. 
Yeah, she, yes. I, I will be having a podcast episode with her tomorrow. I'm not sure when I'll release it, but tomorrow I'm going to speak with her. And that is going to be yeah. so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another very important ally. She's, uh, come on, shows up. She doesn't ask questions. No, no. She shows up. Well, I, and uh, she seems to be very involved in all things social, in all things political, in all things justice. Mm, and mm-hmm. um, she's building her platform. It may not mm-hmm. be that big now, but I can see she has the spirit to build that platform into something that will be significant. I think it's right around the corner. And I believe she'll get there, but yes. she needs the support of you know those of us that she does um, know about what she's doing. Well, I'm going to um, help spread the word. I'm going to help spread the word. Uh, that That's a big reason of why I want her on my podcast tomorrow, because mm-hmm. I believe in what she's trying to put together. I believe in what Absolutely. she already has put together. So I want to lend her a microphone and, and yeah. get the word out to more people about what she's doing. I, I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be nice. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation because she's also very opinionated and she will tell you like it is. So I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, listen, Rawa, I have really enjoyed this conversation. We're going to have more of these conversations. We're not done yet. Let's say we're very lovely. Yeah, you have really um, inspired me. You've really motivated me. Um, Meeting you came at the right time. Uh, As you know, during these works that we do during the things that we vocalize we have moments where we're fired up we have moments where we're motivated but we also have moments where we're a little if not discouraged moments where we get tired Mm, i was tired and then i met you and i'm not so tired anymore so thank you for that it's inspiring it's motivating and i'm gonna you're pushing me forward to do some more work and i really appreciate that likewise i have to say that um and this is something that we should talk about, about like the energy thing uh, and how yeah. much it takes away uh, the labor and the emotional labor. Yeah. Because the physical doesn't really do much. But in terms of the emotional labor, it's a lot. Um, and all the sacrifices that you have to make, but also how we need to take care of ourselves. We need to motivate each other and we yes. need to also take care of each other. That is a very important conversation to have. Uh, But of course, uh, I really look forward to talking to you more, Alan. Uh, Sorry, I said John Alan. I just kind of, yeah. Um, I really appreciate you having me here. Um, Thank you so much um, for having me here. It's my pleasure. Yes. Will you stick around for a minute? I want to say goodbye to my listeners, but uh, stick around for a minute. Don't hang up. All right. Okay. Listen, everybody, uh, this is what the Coming On Podcast with John Allen is all about. Not necessarily this topic, but this spirit, this openness, this opportunity to learn, um, not from me, but from my guest and from the conversation I have with my guest. Uh, Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe at the podcast platform uh, of choice and uh, come back again. Bye, everybody.